questions. Hand? Yes, that is your hand. Very good. We're all gonna die. I hope so. Oh, for God's sake. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We have a movie event slash Oscars profile maybe type pod for you today as The Suicide Squad is the biggest movie uh, at the box office but we're going to address how small the box office seems to have gotten as well but that's the movie we are reviewing today and doing a bit of a deep dive into I am your co-host Mike One this is co-host also Mike yeah we have a wet blanket over our heads now at the box office but we're going to shirk it off and we're going (laughs) to get excited about a movie from the DCEU that we actually like Michael yeah we really liked it this weekend, uh, and that's that's a good place to be in for a change for MMO. We like a movie together. <laughs> we are very high on this. I, I was, after the first 39 minutes, proclaiming that this should win Best Picture to you. So, yeah, I'm, a, yeah. I'm excited to, to really like a movie so far. <laughs> Our emotions uh, do uh, reach heights, let's just say, uh, at times, and uh, we're going to celebrate that uh, after... Uh, like I said, we, we get the blanket wet. We are going to talk about the box office. There's going to be other things attached to this. But, you know, a positive, yay, happiness as we talk about The Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad, 2021's The Suicide Squad, not Suicide Squad, which came out in 2016, as The Suicide Squad is written and directed by James Gunn of the Guardian of the Galaxy Films, the third of which he's currently working on for Marvel. Uh, he's also the director of Super and Slither. He's the rare DC Marvel directorial crossover guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. Everybody is cast in this movie, as we've covered recently, and as we'll go over in the performances section soon, uh, though the Suicide Squad is led, once again, by Margot Robbie, Viola Davis, and this time, we are adding stars like Idris Elba and John Cena to the mix. Yeah, the reception has been fantastic in terms of critical and audience scores. We have a 74 meta, a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, on 227 reviews. That is uh, a rave. Uh, yeah. level of positive very, reviews, very I would say. And then we have uh, a Rotten Tomato audience score that's 89%, but what really stood out to me was the 7.9 out of 10 IMDb score, because that's on 25,000 ratings when I wrote this down, Mike. So Yeah, I think it's even gone, I think it's up in like the 40,000 range now, and it's still carrying like a 7.8, I'm pretty sure, as of like hitting recording just now, so this that's is awesome. being very well received out the gate. Now, that's on the one hand, but where mm-hmm. we soak the blanket is the <laughs> box office projections that were sizable. Yeah. Uh, people were saying that the 4.1 on Friday, and I get why they said that, because sure. if you do the math, the 4.1 on, on Thursday night, rather, should have become over $40 million mm-hmm. at the box office. That is not the case, though. Yeah, and they thought over $40 million, and they thought, well, at least $30 million, and it's just going to keep falling and keep falling. As we record this on Saturday afternoon, uh, it's looking like it's going to do a three-day opening weekend of around $25 million. Look, I mean, COVID is still a thing, but I'm going to have a couple moments as we go through this review where I'm going to talk about how I think it's kind of irrefutable what's happening and what the correlation is between day and date streaming and uh, box office at the theaters. Yeah, it's obvious. The day and date yeah. streaming when COVID is a thing matters. It just yeah. matters. Godzilla would have been a huge box office draw. This would have been based on last few DCEU movies, based on the reception. And I yeah. don't care if it's rated R. Did both Deadpools were 125 and 133. There you go. The It movies were 120-something. And the Suicide Squad, or, or Suicide Squad from 2016? That was 133, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Again. So, I mean, these... This box office would have been huge if it was exclusive to movie theaters and we were not in the middle of the plague. I think even if, you know, COVID times, there are still people out and about. I know COVID's getting more serious, but I would be hard to convince me if this was like 2018 times that this thing wouldn't be doing at least nine digits. Right. A hundred percent. This this movie would have made uh, 150 million. It would have reset things because the... You know, the, the level of excitement for the Suicide Squad was huge. I would guess, and we'll, we probably won't know. Maybe they'll let us know a month from now, HBO Max, right. of what the viewership numbers were. Some but obtuse number, not. too. It'll be like 90 million homes in the first nine days of release. If they watched it for 14 minutes, yeah. 
well, it can't be 90 million necessarily, but 67.5 million su- subscribers at HBO Max. <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> what percent? I also like to live dangerous. So what percentage of those? And what percentage of those subscribers probably watched the Suicide Squad? A huge percentage. I yeah. would say more than not. I would I would agree with that. I saw one article today. I forget who it was. I was just clicking around doing some research. Uh, and they said that the, the Suicide Squad is suffering from the Tomb Raider sandwich problem or whatever. They had some kind of Tomb Raider placement turn of phrase that they used to, to describe that the Suicide Squad was hurt because of the reception of the 2016 one they think the 2016 one's reception hurt the box office of this one and i don't even know how you come to that conclusion with the current box office climate being what it is this is where i get angry again because there was (laughs) no i get angry about this because people start to blame the movie they did this with tenant yeah they blame the movie they blame the filmmaker they blame the 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 because just to make their rationalization about movie theaters yeah and it's it's well-intentioned it's well-intentioned and 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 they're not, i'm not going to call it stupid i'm not going to call it like that because there there are numbers to support their claims as well sure there are a lot of mitigating factors look at we, you being all proper and politically correct i'm proud of you however <laughs> however i believe in our read on the numbers yeah uh, unfortunately because we've done the macro math and we keep doing it with mm-hmm. the subscribe I mean, you got to follow the money and the money is in the streaming because we're all paying for it right now. We're all paying mm-hmm. for HBO Max at $16 or whatever the median subscriber dollar amount is yeah. that they can do. Because obviously some people have deals. Some people are getting it just based on their $10 HBO a month subscription. So whatever that number is, $12, $13, I had calculated it at $12 the other day. Mm-hmm. And they still make a billion dollars at the end of the year yeah. if these subscriber numbers hold. But we know they're not going to hold. They're going to add more subs. And I bet you they did, Michael, for the Suicide Squad because people were stoked about this. They really hyped about this, which is not indicated in these fucking box office numbers. <laughs> Yeah, well, you said a mouthful there, and we're going to get more into it as we go on here. And I I think, you know, you don't have to convince me, but hey, only half of this podcast saw this movie in theaters, by the way. Uh, We'll get into all of that and more. We'll talk about the plot premise for this as we have supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Belle Reve Prison join the super secret, super shady Task Force X as they are dropped off at the remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. So our expectations for this movie, I think we're a bit tempered because we have enjoyed the villains of the DCEU. However, you know, when they've made their villain movies, we probably enjoyed them less than other people. But Mm -hmm. this is the draw of the DCEU, the villains. They've been the draw since we started. That's probably why, you know, the, the hero porn projects of Zack Snyder and whatnot, I think I've been a little down on those yeah uh, so maybe i'll speak for myself i love the villains of the DCEU. no I, I yeah i, I, so, so I, I mean they certainly have the most memorable ones in comic book lore there's no denying that i don't think hmm. but we talk ourselves down when our expectations get high especially me and i ultimately got worried in the marketing for this because there is literally an introductory teaser of just names yes yeah. Yeah, this remember is, that this could have been done by Wes Anderson by how many names that first they were bombarding us with for this one. And I shared your concern. I don't understand how James Gunn was going to pull this off, introducing so many different people. I think my expectations kind of were similar to yours in the sense that I'm always wary of DC movies nowadays anyway, and always probably will be until the end of time uh, because of just how they've not just disappointed but like at times spectacularly disappointed my expectations of what was to come so part of that though is because the marketing is so good and the marketing yeah after the the teaser of names was really fun for this like we got a a lot of jokes we were laughing at the trailers for the last few months and by the way the the part part of it is also because some dc movies are great like, like Joker was Oscars-level stuff, even though you and I had problems with it. There were Oscars segments to that. There was, like, the best of cinema that year. This movie is great, this suicide, The Suicide Squad. So it's it's a combination of the, it's a combination of all the factors that DC is doing right, just as much as it is what they're maybe being, have a shortcoming in. But, uh, That's true. Like you, well, you I, know, I had an expectation that was kind of curiously, but still worrisome. 
we should recognize the fact that the DCEU relationship we've had has been a, one of a roller coaster because mm-hmm. we've loved the Nolan Batman trilogy. Yep. And we were as hyped as we were too hyped. Like our expectations were too high for something like Man of Steel, which at the end of the day, I kind of liked. Right. You know, Zack Snyder, that was probably where I was. I was into Zack Snyder. I could still be convinced either way on that one. And and I think, yeah, I think I think the, the higher my expectations, the tougher it, you know, the more difficult this relationship's been with the DCEU because I got really hyped about Wonder Woman. Everybody loved it. The the reviews were high. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, it's a B. Right. Remember, we reviewed yep. our very first yep. episode. Like, I remember. So I wanted a great, and I got very, very good. And then mm-hmm. I'm a pissant. <laughs> so, uh, you could say the same about Batman v Superman, too. I was very excited for that. I think every comic book nerd was. And, you know, why did you say that name is what we got. But it worked out in our favor for this once yes. because we thought we were going to get like, all right, here comes another B movie. And we got more than that, Michael. We got a, a film that we, we both come together and do the, you know, the Roman handshake, grab each other's forearms over here <laughs> because this is a guy movie. This is a this is a badass film. And I went to the movie theaters with my brother, with a, a, a few friends, and we had a great time. There was there was a whole family in the row ahead of us. It was like old school movie watching experience for me because they had a baby, they had a bunch of kids running around in front. We were like, I can't believe they brought kids to this. And then the kids are laughing as hard as we are. They're getting the jokes before we are. So we're the idiots. That's awesome. That's good. I mean, I don't know that this is necessarily family friendly, you know? Like, I mean, the R rating is there for a reason, but I do think there is a mass appeal, which is just one of my recurring themes that I was going to be. I don't know how James Gunn walked this tightrope that he did, but we should never, ever doubt James Gunn ever again because he did so successfully. But uh, Mm -hmm. I'm glad to hear that there was entertainment value in this for the kids that were there with their parents, (laughs) at least as well. Because, yeah, for people like you and me, it was wildly entertaining uh i didn't watch this at the theaters i watched this on hbo max obviously that's what a lot of people did i think whenever we do hear any peep of numbers about this the movie's going to end up having done fine and having done great for warners as well but you know again the box office stuff can't be denied and i get it's still covid times how packed was your theater mike i would say it was about like 65 70 percent i mean i was in a i was in a big theater but it was still a good crowd. Yeah, for, that's that's yeah. a decent number of people. I think if this movie went to theaters only, even in COVID, I know COVID gets worse every day and we're reliving this and some of us are just bashing our head into walls over it. But like, there's still people out doing things, even in a place here in Connecticut, they're still going to the movie theaters. It's just obviously not nearly to the, uh, the, uh, the amount that it would be without covid and without day and date streaming and i don't think there's any question that day and date streaming is now a cause i mean the effect is going to be something we're going to take a little bit to figure out just how badly negatively correlated day and date streaming does to what happens at the box office but i don't think there's any doubt in my mind left that they don't help each other there's definitely day and date streaming at home is hurting the theatrical and domestic box office Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Hard <laughs> <laughs> to convince you there, huh? <laughs> uh, it's a it's a hard argument to to combat, and I get the mitigating factors because yeah. people are comparing a quiet place to you know other movies and and Fast Nine to to, to Black Widow, etc. And I get those one to one. You're not unreasonable to say. Uh, to say that in the current environments that are similar, the problem is there's just so many variables. So there I guess, are, there's no doubt there, there are. But I mean, I guess we'll find out. Though we're, at the we're end talking of the day, about we'll, we're talking about a movie that did a sixth yeah. of what it would have done if it was theatrical only. Right. It, it, we'll find out a year from now. Sure. I hope when this freaking plague is gone. Sure. That's the whole thing. So it, it's just it's a moot point. We, we all get frustrated with one another arguing about it. And uh, that's unfortunate because, again, we usually enjoy a parade on film Twitter. (laughs) And this is something worth throwing a parade over, I would say. (laughs) I agree. You know, you and me are the freaking conductors dressed in our shark masks (laughs) with this parade just dancing around. (laughs) I would say so. All right. Let's get into the movies, non-spoiler section. Uh, I love 
superhero stories about relatable characters, Michael. And this yeah. is, you know, this is one about fuck ups and sickos. But on the other hand, it's also about survivors and unlikely heroes. So you get that relatability to these heavily flawed characters. I, I loved. I couldn't again believe this this tone. And Gunn really went for it a couple times, both on the comedic sign and on the dramatic sign. And I, he landed far more often than he missed. I think the the misses have to do with a little bit of the, uh, you know, remember the band Autobahn with Flea uh, and Lebowski, the big Lebowski. Oh, oh. <laughs> and they're yes. running around. We believe in nothing, Lebowski. We believe in nothing. There's some nihilism that is being combated, just like there was with the Guardians films. But that's... You know, that's what James Gunn and that's what the whole Rick and Morty guys do so well is they have this, you know, just overwhelming body count at times. They have this overwhelming yes. sense of dread and the sense of, you know, jeopardy and the fact that we're all doomed and what is all this for? There's an existential crisis at the center of the Suicide Squad, hence the name. And we are able to overcome that by the end. I don't think that's a spoiler. So we're only too happy to take that R-rated journey. And I think they let DC, that is, they let James Gunn go a little darker maybe than he's ever been oh, able to do. Oh, this is R. I mean, this is an R movie. This is like a top-notch R action thriller. There's no doubt. In terms of bloodshed, like you were saying, and nihilistic, I mean, what we actually see, never mind that the bodies are hitting the floor, but we're actually seeing them disemboweled and stuff. Like, this is horror slasher levels of blood and gore in this movie. Disgusting levels of <laughs> of blood. And we're going to reference Michael Myers in the spoiler section because there's, there's like whole Michael Myers sequences, right. I would say. Uh, but overall, I, I think he manages to blend all of that gore with his storytelling yeah. ability and with, I would say, look, I, I, I gave it to Zack Snyder for just giving a superhero porn, which I enjoy, just like any red-blooded American who goes, to, especially movie watcher. <laughs> but literally, we get the superhero porn, porn featuring here. superhero. No, okay. Well, that's we're the thing. About we get different. the slow, <laughs> no, the slow motion, <laughs> slow motion in their costumes, right. the cosplay, you know, dreamlike mm -hmm. scenarios with the, you know, click on your favorite song from the movie or, or song from your your childhood and put it in the movie kind of right. thing. We get that as well. So he's just that capable of a director well to, and so is snyder for that matter i i don't disagree with either but it's really prevalent in this with james gunn because he's so over the top at times but he never lets it get nonsensical and he never really even approaches like a farcical he's, he's not turning this movie a lot of times when people try to strike this tenor of this you know gory comedy that's an action thriller that type of thing they always tend to get too farcical and try to make fun of themselves too much and he never really comes close to doing that like he he lets this be as serious and dramatic as it can be within the realm of its own reality and it's really i think stellar writing and direction on his part and i'll be honest i agree with eric weber when he writes that at some point we got to give james gunn credit for getting the performances out of his ensembles the way yeah. he does and we're getting into performances right now because i think Part of the reason, you know, that he strikes a tonal balance is because he gets these academy Agreed. level, these academy award winning level actors to, to work for him. And that goes all the way back to Slither when Michael Rooker was, you know, leading his cast in Slither to what Margot Robbie's doing here because she's doing some next level stuff. Like she's getting a huge arc in the story. This is a Margot Robbie movie, I feel like. I still haven't seen Birds of Prey, but I feel like, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure it wasn't as Margot, this isn't as Margot-centric as that one was, but I felt like Idris Elba's supposed to be the protagonist, but Margot Robbie has so many moments of this. Harley Quinn has a ton of moments in this movie. How dangerous her psyche is in this film <laughs> is, I mean, the, the stakes of this are even further than, than Birds of Prey, I would say. Like, she is much more grounded in Birds of Prey. But, you know, I enjoyed Birds of Prey, her character in it anyway, uh, to an extent. But I would say, like, she, her performance in this film is 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 next level for superhero films. Like think we should rate, like if we're rating superhero movie performances, Margot Robbie's is up there. I will also say that the Idris Elba performance shocked me, Michael, with what he did to his with his character. I'm surprised you were surprised. He can be that funny. I, 
I can't get over, I can't wait to get in spoilers with you to talk about it, but I can't get over how hard Idris Elba made me laugh. He's great. It's insane to me that we're never going to have Idris Elba as James Bond. It's insane to me, considering how good and funny and cool, just so freaking cool, he comes off in, like as a leader of this suave action group and this suave action hero type thing, even though he's an anti-hero. Like, it's crazy to me that we're not actually going to get him to don the tuxedo. Yeah, it's a shame because he's he's that level of a movie star. Yeah. And and you know and look, I mean to be fair, that level of a movie star hasn't always made, you know, been cast as James Bond. Let's be honest, but they he should be. <laughs> you mean he's too well known already. Well, that's a, yeah, yeah, Daniel Craig right. before I agree. he was James yeah. Bond was just the villain in a Sam Mendes yep, movie, you're right. right? Absolutely. He wasn't, he wasn't at this level of saturation. And that's unfortunate, too. Like, give Idris Elba more starring roles like this one. Yeah, and, for real. And that's Should that's be an fun. Oscar nominee already. Uh, as far as other performance, I, I, you're right in that, I don't know if James Gunn gets all the credit, but he certainly he certainly should get some, and these performances are great. I mean, how many times is Damien Dasmalkian going to steal a scene in his career oh. before we start uh, understand like calling him by name? He's great oh. in this. One of the three standouts, another guy whose psyche is just dangerous. <laughs> like, I, I, I am worried for the rest of the characters every time I see his character just start to move. Like, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid for them. And that's true for the uh, Anawe. That's true for Polka Dot Man. Uh, like, there are some scary effing characters in this movie. There is a sense of heightened danger when these characters are just bebopping around. I so that... would do anything. Anything. <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm, this isn't me. This is. I'm Michael. I'm being serious. I will do anything <laughs> for any of Weasel, Sebastian the Rat, or King Shark. I am in love with those. Th- I want to see the Buddy Cop movie with those three in their well, own aren't film. You- Right, but aren't you afraid for them? Because we, uh, well, I'm gonna. Get There's into no rules. Spoilers. There's no rules with any, no especially with King Shark. <laughs> That's the thing. And uh, last thing I'll say about performances, just like smaller, a scene here and a scene there, level, just Chef's Kiss moments come from Alice Braga, the head of the, uh, let's just say the militia, mm-hmm. and Joaquin Cosio, the head of the army, mm-hmm. the the uh, the general there, they have moments where they get close-ups. I can't believe what they're doing with their faces. It's Academy-level stuff, and you don't always get that in a superhero film. I also just wanted to make mention of, uh, of Ratcatcher 2, uh, Daniela Melchior. I apologize if I mispronounced that. I thought, and this is one of the weaknesses I thought, thought that the script had as well, I thought she was stuck with that like Justice League curse of having her backstory be hokily explained and wrapped up within a few seconds of screen time. Like, just mm. some expository dialogue, here's why she should matter, and flashbacks. And yet she still comes out of this being simultaneously emotionally investing and, and the most chill and the sweetest of the group, too. Like, she made me believe. I cared about her character. I, great job by everyone in these, uh, every one of these performances. But here's the difference between James Gunn and Snyder, in my opinion. James Gunn does it in a literal flash. That's true, right. We ha- we have 10 minutes. Now, the problem is we get a focus backstory here. It's not enough. Is that is that as, as, as what her character deserves? It's a weakness. Like, I, I agree. It's like, a weakness. Like, Cyborg deserves more, and she deserves more, and they deserve their own movies. That's the thing. So in, in either case, we're unsatisfied, mm-hmm. I would say. I don't think either case is better. But for this story, we don't want to get slogged back into so many different backstories we we can't so he understands for the propulsion the narrative propulsion of this story you can only literally give her a flash right you know or or for the same for idris elba for that matter all right production values mike i think there are some superlatives here number one the soundtrack i am a huge fan of the pixies i did not know that i'm surprised to learn that about you the song hey you know, that hazy downpour moment will go over. I, I, I thought that was an all-time great moment. Soundtrack's in great, term, I agree. Yeah, in terms of my fandom there. The 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 score is also hilarious, mm-hmm. by the way, on rewatch. <laughs> I rewatched this on HBO Max. And to get the guitar riffs, like the Mad Max guitar riffs in this movie, uh, it's really funny. Uh, the sound design. Mike, this movie is an all-out war zone at times. Yes. It's but like Hot knows, Shots Part Do flashbacks, kind of. <laughs> but just think about the sound 
department and how many squishes and splats. Yes. The disgusting <laughs> sound effects in this movie are probably Oscar worthy. I don't know if they'll get credit where they deserve it, though. I, that would be hilarious if this actually got <laughs> just for the amount of like decapitation noises it needs to make alone. Yes, I'm all but for all, it. all of the onomatopoeia, right. all of that. It's in this movie and I uh, give them credit. So I want to I want to say it's Oscar worthy. Uh, let's get on that train. The makeup and hairstyling, Mike. Harley Quinn's makeup is not necessarily the traditional clown stuff that she has in mm-hmm. Birds of Play, Prey or et cetera throughout her career that she's been, you know, Oscar winning for. I mean, they won in 2016. Yep. Uh, the Suicide Squad won the Oscar for it. The Birds of Prey was in the short list. It didn't quite get there. So I, I, you can't rule out this movie in terms of makeup and hairstyle. No, and I th- there's something ringing in the back of my head that the Academy likes white face paint, too. And I can't remember if that's something I made up or if that's something I actually researched and, and is true. But let's just say it's, that as fact for now. It is very, yeah, it is very uh, possible that they have nominated 20, 2008 and 2016 and 2019. Yeah, uh, All right. Yeah. I'm thinking the same about character's it. makeup. Uh, it did not so in 89 for some reason with Jack Nicholson. Which they should have. Like, of all of them, they probably absolutely should have. Yeah, that's all right. But here's what I ask you: Does corpse makeup count? Like we got to get Jazz back on mm, Tanke and and ask her because in 1917 yeah. it counted, but here we have just an absolute bloodbath, faces getting blown off left and right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, does that count towards VFX or move? If it's practical, are the corpses practical or were they VFXed in? <laughs> You know? They sure look practical. Is all I'm saying. Most for the most part. I mean, obviously the the you know the action scenes are VFX, but that's that's where we'll end, I guess, with the production values. Is these are great VFX. They're up there on the year with Godzilla versus Kong and A Quiet Place Part Two yeah. for me. Uh, Jungle Cruise probably a distant distant fourth right now. Black Widow I thought had some problems, but I would still say the highs are high. That's probably my five right now in the VFX category. That I hope. Dune and, and other movies that we hopefully still get will, you know, overtake No Time to Die. So right now, I think this movie's got to be in the conversation for best VFX. I would put it up there for costume design, too. I mean, you have Gunn is tasked with not only introducing a bunch of characters, but he's mm. there are a bunch of characters that are relatively unfamiliar to all of us. Uh, That's even, cool. Now I forgot costume design. Yeah, yeah, costume yeah. and design, he totally. makes them, gives them all each their own individual look, you know, regardless of how long they're with us. And <laughs> he, he makes them stand out. And even Harley Quinn has kind of a different look. That red dress is a different iconic statement for Harley Quinn that she's in in this movie, too. So I, 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 would, I would pound the table for costume design as well. There's a, I think there's a chance that we hear this a couple nominations maybe come Oscars time for all its below the line stuff. You know what? Co- the more I think about the costume design point, that's a great one. Like uh, the blood sport, the blood sport looked great. costume, yeah, so important. Pete Davidson's uh, looked. I mean, there were Pete Davidson's mm-hmm. and blood sports are very similar, but they're very distinct as well. The way they're looking, and my God, I mean, that piece of metal that John Cena wears belongs in the Smithsonian somewhere, not just because it was adorning the face of an actual Greek god the entire time. You know. They showcase it too. Not yeah. only is it a part of a jokes that you've heard in trailers, but there's a little act. There's a literal action scene filmed in its reflection. Yeah, <laughs> loved it. Very cool. Very cool stuff. High, high value stuff. All, all up and down the card here uh, for the Suicide Squad. I, I love this movie. I can't wait to talk about the spoilers. So yeah, watch this movie. Absolutely. Spoilers ahead. I cherish peace with all my heart. I don't care how many men, women, and children I need to kill to get it. I thought you were the crazy one. I am. This is a spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for the movie The Suicide Squad, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar, the brand new movie out on HBO Max and in theaters now, the movie event review podcast. If you've not seen The Suicide Squad yet, this is for you to hit pause on us. You can go check it out for yourself. We'll be here waiting for you. If you're just here to hear what we think about all the spoilers and the ins and outs of the plot, this is where you want to be. All spoilers for The Suicide Squad from here on out, Michael. So for immediate carryovers, I kind of wanted to go over four of my favorite scenes that just killed me dead, Michael. Mm-hmm. Killed me. The first is that is a simple one that shouldn't. I did not expect to just make me laugh until I cried. <laughs> the father-daughter prison 
prison phone call scene. We've seen literally so thousands good. of versions of this. Never did the father and daughter scream F you at each other. Never have did they escalate this quickly. I, it was absolutely hysterical. I was shocked that Idris Elba could be this funny. And Storm Reed, the daughter from the Aver Duda Brunet uh, filmography there. Uh, what was that? A Wrinkle in did? Time. Was, wrinkle uh, in Time. Thank of, you. Yeah. I, she was the star in that, and uh, just really funny. Very upset that we won't get Idris Elba as James Bond. We're like, we're all just being robbed of this. But yeah, I want to jump on your point that you're making. Like, the reason that was so funny is because of the subversion of expectation. It was like poking fun at that trope, obviously. And Gunn does some subversion of expectation a lot in this movie, but he mm. does it kind of in the way that, like, it remind, I'm as excited about it as I was when Ryan Johnson did it in episode eight. Like he, he doesn't usually in this type of movie, you'll get the subversion of expectation. It'll always go for like the punchline or add to the comedy. There is that present in here, but it's also, he, he does it away to make it more dramatic at times. Like when Rick flag is killed by peacemaker, if this mm-hmm. was, you know, Wes Craven's scream squad four, Rick Flagg's last words are going to be like, some peacemaker you are, or something like too over the top and ridiculous going for the joke. But this one, we have peacemaker. What a joke. And we see the life leave Joel Kinnaman's eyes, and we cut right to John Cena's face, who's wearing the impact of that statement all over it, and he's wearing it on his sleeve. It just added so much to the drama, and it made me appreciate the comedic elements even more when they did happen, because he didn't go for the joke every single time. There's a lot of character assassination in this, from Michael Rooker killing the bird at the beginning mm-hmm. to Viola Davis uh, deserving the hits over the head that she gets yes. from her staff later on. I would say, and certainly John Cena, like you're you're talking about here, um, he you know they, they to get their comeuppance, they first have to you know sign their own death warrant in a way in the movie. Mm-hmm. So to me, that gets slightly a little tiresome. We do have. You know, right after Idris Elba screams at his daughter, he's screaming at Viola Davis. Like, a little bit of that is the same note over and over again, which probably keeps this movie from being a, you know, an A-level film for me. I'm still loving it. I'm just saying there's a little too much of that. Yeah, I, there's, I, I, I would agree that there's, you know, there, there's that didn't bother me per se. But as far as your larger point of this being highly enjoyable but not perfect, yeah, there's enough specks of dust on this diamond, I think, no doubt. Well, that's the thing, though. There is diamond level right exactly uh, subversions, and the funniest scene to me, the funniest scene of the year, is when the Suicide Squad <laughs> goes on that camp. So good. And then number one, they're told by Viola Davis, you know, perse- yes. you know kill them with extreme prejudice. Yes. So that they- <laughs> yes, it wasn't their <laughs> yes. fault. That's all one big joke. I agree. <laughs> But that setup and punchline, my God, that they're freedom fighters, that was literally the hardest I've laughed in a long time. And when the polka dot man delivers his polka dot man line, I'm, I'm dead. The recurring gag about polka dot man's mother and how that actress shows up everywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. Killed me every time. She's wearing... Face, she's wearing like a beard to look like certain members of the Suicide Squad. She's a giant uh, starfish at one point. Oh, it's so good. So good. But that's the thing. Like, there's just moments in this that are all timers that you want to come back to. And I've already watched this movie three times before we hit record. Awesome. Because I want to see Polka Dot Man dancing with his mothers at the club. <laughs> that's funny. I as forgot hell. about that. Yes. Great. Hilarious. I want to see Idris Elba's, you know, stick-legged run. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. He's out of his normal suit, and he does the superhero jog with the wide <laughs> elbows when Harley Quinn gets out of her <laughs> predicament, which is just an awesome scene. Great Disgusting. Scene. Fantastic. She kills everyone she's in that basically, It's basically a mini version of The Raid starring Harley Quinn, except she's right? got to get out of the building. I ain't got nobody. The song actually playing if she was singing it, right? right? And she gets out onto the open street. She gets into the taxi slowly. She puts the javelin across the thing, and then she sees Idris Elba's profile. All he's got is the goofy hat on, and he's got the wide elbows, and he's jogging across the street in like slow motion. And you see it in real time. It's hilarious. I can't believe it's, he's that funny. And, in this. and that's what's good about like the the comedy in this. It's top tier comedy this is laugh out loud funny stuff it's it's great great writing so 
I guess we could hit on the major plot line a little bit, uh, go through some more best scenes. I got a few worse, but I heard some people complaining how I was in a, a second ago that the same gag was hit a little bit over and over again and that they kind of stole from Deadpool 2 to start off this movie with the diversion and the two teams. On the one hand, I, you know, I'll give you some credo because it's true that they're hitting the same note a little bit too often. Yeah. But 10 minutes of different jokes playing out is very different than, I'm not going to spoil it, but the Deadpool 2 gag was like hard and fast that hit you in like maybe two minutes of the same joke playing out do those, here. Do those same people scream for Deadpool 2 for copying MacGruber too? I mean, how far back are we going to do this where we have that... <clears throat> You know, like, I, I mean, uh, yeah. it's been done. It's a trope. It happens in movies. I'm sorry. It's going to, you know. <laughs> the derivative that was the action comedy masterpiece. <laughs> right. <MacGruber. laughs> no, seriously. Like, how far back are we going to do this? You know, like, it, it's, it's, it, the jokes stand alone. They make their, if the joke is funny enough to land on its own two feet, then it's a new experience. Talk about movie theater experiences. My brother and I went on like a Saturday afternoon to, afternoon to MacGruber were the only two people <laughs> laughing. The only two. Everybody else was just, like, angry Screw at them. us. MacGruber is we, hysterical. <laughs> we were dying. Just, like, just hyenas. But it's the exact same trope, right? Like, it's that, what happens yeah. in MacGruber is exactly what happens in Deadpool 2, is exactly pretty much what happens in this, but it's just done a different way, and the jokes come from the different ways that it's done. They stand up. Yeah. You're not you're not wrong. And the, when Mal Reynolds himself, Nathan Fillion, as TDK, the detachable <laughs> knight or whatever, what a stupid the power kit, the detachable kit. It's just uh, when those arms just start slapping people, I was dying. Like the arms can't dying. even go that fast. The arms can only go at a human being's walking's pace towards the enemy. That guy has no power, <laughs> and he has to stand up as a target. Like, are you kidding me? Just the fact that the javelin guy, he was just going to throw his javelin once. <laughs> Played by Fluga Borg, too. Like, perf impeccable casting all up and down this card. Pete Davidson, Perfect. I was surprised. I think they use Pete Davidson as a little bit of a subversion of expectation. He's not only in this for a short amount of time, but he's a bad guy, essentially. He right. turns, he gives up the Suicide Squad, and he doesn't really play for laughs that much. They were a diversion, that whole ensemble, mm -hmm. Michael Rooker included, uh, that, that we were going to get other principal characters. And the right. fact that it was slyly written because you had Flag and you had Harley Quinn mm -hmm. in there, it gave them plot armor, you thought. Right. But even while we're watching this, I'm like, oh, no, they're dead. Because once you had the hard guitar riffs, <laughs> that was so funny on rewatch. <laughs> Listen, listening to the music just hype them up as they're, you know, storming the beach, for Christ's sake. It's really good. I have to check this out again. I have to rewatch this. So, like, we, we go with the other group after the diversion, and we see, like, their backstories, which I thought was funny in the prison. It's a little... Again, they're terrifying characters. Like, I am literally on edge with these characters moving around the prison. Shark guy could eat anybody at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> terrifying. Uh, but he's fun. Like, he literally almost eats the rat girl, and then you can't kill him. Bloodsport is shooting him at point-blank range. Yes. Uh, and it ends with a joke, thank God, <laughs> with John Cena and his tidy whities and rat girl talking, you know, talking him down. <laughs> I forgot about. It. I also that I was a little shocked in that up to that point we had like bullets meaning something. We just had this big scene at the beach where people were torn apart by bullets, and here's a True. shark that's man size getting shot at point blank range, and just nothing's happening. There's no explanation as to why bullets don't hit him, even though he's only a fish, but it just doesn't affect him. Well, that's the genius about that character is that fish takes shit in every scene, mm -hmm. right? Literally, mm -hmm. he is just humiliated and you feel so bad for him that he's trying to make people impressed by him. He's reading the book backwards. <laughs> oh, smart he's... I am. By, by yeah, the way, he... give Sylvester Stallone the Oscar for this. <laughs> this is what he should get it for. <laughs> and not the Rocky. Yes, no, cancer screw scene. Rocky Balboa. This is his moment. <laughs> 
So that's the thing. Like the middle of this movie is hilarious. The freedom fighter joke, like I said, that sequence. You get to the bar, the bar sequence. Usually I'm just like rolling my eyes when those come along in a movie. Like, mm-hmm. all right, this is the the happy moment, the calm before the storm. But I'm like dying laughing. Like my stomach is heaving <laughs> when they're dancing like assholes. And they even purposefully write themselves into they're not tropes, but I guess like stereotypical issues <laughs> that would be cited as issues. Like Harley Quinn has no business falling in love with a man this quickly again and finding mm-hmm. and thinking that he's, she, he's going to be her soulmate and she's going to marry him and she's going to be happy with a man. Like that's not how the character was written up to this point. So if James Gunn left it at that, it, I would have been upset because I, I would have thought, well, this is clearly the studio just telling him to shoehorn Harley Quinn into this movie. So like we all knew WB asked him to do already and it, it, it's handled poorly and he just didn't know how to, how to handle it. But no, he purposely writes her into that story just to have her pull a gun on his, on her fiance and shoot him in the middle of the chest. And that's the guy you think is going going to be the bad guy the entire movie at one point a hundred percent that's meta commentary and using the fratellis to that extent uh duped me because yeah. i agree i was getting like aggravated with you because like yeah this is not where her character right. is supposed to go at all i agree this is ridiculous why are we going there i was getting mad at at uh, james gunn but he knew what he was doing the sudden. entire time he does that ex- i mean that's exactly what he wanted you to feel it's just so smart it's so smart writing uh we have you know, an act two that goes to the to the Operation Rescue Harley joke that turns into the, uh, you know, well, first of all, the, before the Harley joke, they have the, uh, the escape from the car. And John Cena's Michael Myers hand <laughs> through the, like, he is such a dumb, like, that is Michael Myers, how he escapes from every car. It just ends in a wreck. <laughs> I like the constitution of Cena's character, too, and he said this in numerous interviews. I don't know exactly the quote, but he's like, he's a ma- peace- peacemaker is a man who loves peace so much he'll kill any man, woman, or child to get it. And he says that pretty much verbatim in the movie. You know what you're getting with this guy. It's beautiful. So, yeah, you know he's going to turn heel right. at some point. Exactly. Which, of, of course, he does for his completely effed up code mm-hmm. uh, during the just existentially terrifying <laughs> sequence in whatever that uh the Jugendheim yeah, is called yeah is that it the Jogenheim, something like that whatever it's called that big tall building <laughs> the the building MacGuffin <laughs> like I've been having that just terror watching Rick and Morty episodes of late because they keep doing this as well like I I don't I'm afraid of to wa- keep watching the Jugendheim thing and then to have all of that become another falling building <laughs> You know, the shark makes friends with the goo fish and the goo fish try to eat it. Like all of it's just just had my nerves on edge to where when we actually just get a kaiju battle and it's adorable and terrifying at the same time. Like James Gunn, man, you're out of your damn mind. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He turned this into a kaiju movie. It was unbelievable. But okay, so that's something I do also take issue with, though, is as entertaining as this was, I, I think... The fact that we have no idea who the true antagonist is for the Suicide Squad to like rally against because we think it's going to be the army and then we think it's going to be maybe Amanda Waller and then it turns out to be this giant kaiju, but it's also the kaiju is going to control all the townspeople. And like, I think that that shifting lens of who the main antagonist is, I think it helped us buy into the Suicide Squad like chemistry, but I think Mm. it overall, it's maybe a step down of the type of antagonism we've all grown accustomed to for these huge blockbuster comic book movies. Cause there wasn't like a big bad. There was several mediocre sized baddies. So yeah, there's the illusion of a big boss at the end mm-hmm. with the starfish, but don't you kind of feel bad for the starfish? Yes, like the, of course I do. <laughs> like the American gu- like Viola, the biggest bads in this movie are Viola Davis and the thinker. And I wish like the Viola Davis, what this Suicide Squad remake is doing is it's providing plenty of canon for the Amanda Waller character to get her comeuppance by a totally reformed Harley Quinn. And I hope that's where this goes. I was actually upset that Amanda Waller was struck down by her own people in the way she was in this with that golf club. I'm glad they didn't kill her off. But I, I thought this was kind of rolling out, laying the, the groundwork for a Harley Quinn, Amanda Waller. Because I want to see Amanda Waller. Like, she's, Viola Davis is a bitch in this. 
She's yelling. She's losing her shit. She's, I mean, she was, yeah. I, I wanted her to be the main antagonist, but there's no way for her to get her proper comeuppance to, for be, to be that type of antagonist in this movie. But she laid enough groundwork where uh, she's ruthless in this. And I, I actively despised her. Totally ruthless and a, a badass bee in that yeah. sense. Uh, uh, scary, I would say. And you're right. I think, um, I think it was a bit of a come down that she just gets bopped on the head. Right. And the fact that she like still works with those people, like after what we've seen her do to other characters and after what she's inferred, she's done to other characters. Like, how are these people just, you know, office drones? (laughs) How are they not murdered? You don't think there's any commentary on the American government in there, do you? (laughs) Maybe per, per, there is. Maybe that's it. But all right, we do get some. Again, we get some tension relief with the Milton joke, which is just evil. The Milton stuff with the poor guy. The, the, the fact that Hilarious. he's all these beautiful shots, slow motion, and then there's just one big guy with flip flops going in, <laughs> and nobody uh, knows his name except for Polka Dot Man. Six of Polka Dot Man's made a friend finally. <laughs> He has to, he has to get on Harley Quinn for that. Uh, but you're, you're right. Uh, you, but you also have the shark who falls out the building, and I'm worried for the shark. Then Anawe, I thought he was dead. So is he just impervious to pain? The building lands on his back, and he's fine. Yes, he's fine because he's send indestructible. him, cover him in kryptonite, and send him against Superman. What are we doing? Exactly. So yeah, Bizarro ever happens, evil Superman. We got a uh, we got a hero. So look, I just I, this the number of surprises in this movie. It's a bit exasperating at times. So that, again, it probably holds this. Like if you, if maybe he picked his spots a little more. But in terms of like old grizzled movie watchers like you and I, Mike, Plenty. maybe this is overwhelming for for others. But this keeps us on our yeah. toes, and we don't always get that. No, I mean, I, I've said how many times already in reviewing 2021 movies. I got bored. I, like, you have to keep my attention. This doesn't lose the plot. It doesn't make fun of itself to the point where I'm thinking it's stupid. Like, it keeps within itself. It's full of heart. It's full of emotion. It's it's full of drama. This is, for two hours and whatever that this runtime is, it's like 2.15, I think, or something like that. It, it flies by. I really do believe that. Yeah, and I, it, it's been getting better with the rewatches too. So HBO Max, definitely good for something. Although the movie theaters aren't getting my money <laughs> as much as they should. Oh God forbid, Michael. What uh, what kind of final grade do you put on this thing? So I, we've spoke glowingly about this. I mean, it, it's not an A movie, and I think there's enough stuff that we've brought up to say why it's not an A movie. I also think there's an issue at the end where. I was a little let down in that you're doing all this stuff for the teen chemistry aspect of it, and yet all that really needs to happen is that you need the rat girl and the polka dot guy to do their two most basic moves to beat this giant bad guy at the end anyway. Like, they could have done that the whole time. Right, yeah. exactly. It's, it's so, true. so like, there's there's shortcomings, but there's no shortcomings worth, like, killing this movie over. This movie is... So, it, it works in so many areas that it just should not, and we've seen so many movies plain not work well in this is a b plus all day for me this is like an 88 i think you have a similar grade i I could i could be talking to an 89 even but this is as high as a b plus as i think anything can get yeah i think there's a lot of existential terror uh for me that i'm working through (laughs) Uh, but i would agree with you i I have b plus 88 written down i i almost bumped it up and i may still do that so this is this is in my top 10 films of the year right now i'm really surprised it's a very it's a it's a weekend of pleasant surprises because there's another one that we're going to review next that I I was really shocked to love as well. So uh, this is uh this is great for movie going right now, and yet we have a cloud, the plague, hanging over us. <laughs> just, just when uh, we get well, back hey, into it. Let's 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 look at the bright side. I mean, if COVID gets worse, there could be a path for Suicide Squad to contend for Best Picture, right? <laughs> There you go. We, we have a popular film imperative this year more than ever, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. But obviously, uh, dear listener, what always matters most to us is what did you think of your watching of The Suicide Squad? What were your highs? What were your lows? Let us know. As well as you can let us know any other comments, questions, or concerns you may have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. Leave us all of those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com, dot com, and on Reddit. We are available wherever you hear 
hear podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, those things that you kiddos like to use these days that I'm too old to keep up with. But uh, if you do listen to us on the Apple Podcasts app, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, those truly do go go a long way in helping us out. Michael, you teased it. Let the good people know what movie we will be covering next that is supposed to be or could be or might be or maybe will be a contender. And as well, let's end on some words of wisdom here. Yeah, I saw Annette, and I really enjoyed it. I th- One of the most surprising movie-going experiences <laughs> in a long darn time. I have no idea what you're going to think about it, Michael. I have no idea if you're going to hate me. I want after- to like it. I really, really want to like it based on everything I've seen. But maybe that's that- my expectations being too high already. I don't know. Uh, that scares me as much of a, as much as a James Gunn setup <laughs> to a joke scares me. Uh, but I, I think uh, we're gonna dive in to Annette uh, early next week, and then uh, we'll probably do a news episode. And following that, we're we're looking at Coda and respect, and we'll see what we review. I know I like Coda, so maybe we'll, I can get you, you know twist your arm to review that as well with us. But I'm we'll more worried about my reaction to Coda than I am Annette right now. <laughs> I disagree okay but okay (laughs) first things first i guess in terms of worst words of wisdom uh yeah it's it's a it's a terrifying landscape out there right now so let's take let's take joy where we can get it and let's take enjoyment where we can get it so this is a a pleasant reprieve this these last few weekends michael i i've seen more really strong films than i've seen you know, disappointments. So that's good. That's, that's awesome. Uplifting for a change. Five out of the last seven, I would say old and the green Knight were slightly disappointing, even though I liked aspects of them. I, uh, I had a blast with, uh, Val and jungle cruise and suicide squad and Annette, and I'm forgetting one more that I really liked, but yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's, you know, we have, that's great. That's heartening to hear. We have a great slate in front of us. Fingers crossed, God willing, hopefully. So let's, Oh, God, try to be positive, <laughs> and maybe positivity will happen <laughs> for all of us as well. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come recap the latest with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See ya. See ya.